0: What am I thinking? Having a match on Raw is a dream come true for me. I didn't know it was going to be against Braun Strowman. So yes, I'm nervous. Yes, I'm scared. But if I could somehow, some way, pull off the upset, because I truly believe any man with two hands has a fighting chance. No! Got take a jump! No, it's a out moment. A out
1: All right, so once again, we are the F and Marks. This is episode sixteen of the F and Marks podcast. I'm your host, Ja Rule. And I am Bobby the Brainless, your co host. And you know, this week with uh, wrestling, lots of lots of stuff going on, uh, interesting things, uh, but first we're gonna plug ourselves. Uh, if you uh, would like to follow us uh, on Twitter, we are the F N underscore Marks. And if you want to follow no, us no, on no.
0: It's f underscore
1: n marks, something like that. Uh, and then am I gonna have to call the bullpen Fac- early tonight? Then on Facebook we are the f n marks, and search for us uh, on Facebook. Uh, we live podcast uh, on there, and we put some funny pictures, and we tag some of our favorite matches. Uh, so, both things, and you're, you're the Instagram man, so let them know about our Instagram account.
0: It is the FN Marks on Instagram, I've posted a few of the pictures that we have so far through the first 16 episodes, well, well, up to today's 16th episode, uh, on our Instagram account, so if you want to check those out, those are there, it's the FN Marks on Instagram.
1: All right, so uh we have a bit of the plugs out of the way and if you're following us on Facebook or you're uh following us on Twitter, uh if you have questions for us, uh just write them down and we'll try to answer them as we go along. All right, so uh you know, I think we should uh start off with Helena Cell, which you know, we made our predictions last week and for the most part we were spot on except for one glaring glaring spot which was Charlotte and Sasha Banks. You know, we did have our, our hometown ladies. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, we had our hometown uh, lady, Sasha Banks, getting the heroes' welcome and getting the main event spot, which we kind of thought would happen. She got that main event spot, and a finish I don't think anybody saw coming. Charlotte won. I can't explain it. It was stupid booking, and I just... What the fuck? (sighs) You know,
0: I know I've brought it up in the past. I know I've brought it up pretty much almost every single week we've been doing this about bad booking in the WWE. And once again, they proved that they were going to do it again.
1: Well, the thing with this, it seems like the bad booking is consistently on the Raw brand. That's the one that Vince has more oversight with which tells me that the bad booking probably comes down to Vince McMahon and his absolutely lunatic mind.
0: He has uh, he's starting to lose it a little bit, you know, once he's gotten to his old age, you know, like not knowing that Luke Gallows and uh
1: Festus are, were, the, same are person. the same person. Yeah. But y- you know what the thing I think with with Vince is Right At this point, to me, he's more of a businessman than he is a wrestling promoter, wrestling booker, and I would say overall, since kind of the network has gotten off the ground, and since he's been able to kind of concentrate on WWE a little bit more, as opposed to trying to build up the infrastructure for the network, I think it's been a little bit better, but as of late, uh, there really has been some questionable decision-making, and... The old man's just lost it. Again, questionable booking.
0: If I had a dollar every time they came up with a stupid concept or a change in the storyline or just going through with a storyline that was stupid, I could own the WWE.
1: Now, like, what frame of logic makes you think that Sasha should have lost? Why should she have lost on Sunday? What is going through their brains where they had her lose in her hometown? You know, it's not like she's had a long title run. She just got the title back like a month ago. Not even. Why?
0: It really, it just doesn't make any sense. I'm I, 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 I I'm still
1: kind of speechless about it. I just don't, I don't get it. I, you said you were raring to go ready to have a rant about this. It was even more
0: so about this. This was just about bad booking in general. The sure. whole bad booking thing that they've been doing. And they haven't just been doing it since Vince McMahon got into the old and ages of his, career, of his life, I should say. It's been going on for a lot longer than people realize. Just the horrible booking, the horrible ideas that they come up with with for certain match ideas – in certain matchups that end a specific Tell us way. Tell specific ones. Well, there, I mean, a few that really, you know, come to mind is, why did you take the Intercontinental Championship from Zack Ryder, the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania? You gave him a 24-hour Intercontinental title reign after you pretty much gave him a two-and-a-half-week-long run as United States
1: Champion when he won that a few years back. That was throwing him a bone because, like, The crowd was so into him because he built his own push, and, you know, they gave him that token title run just to, like, placate the fans, and they're, like, going, you know what, he got over on his own, let's bury him. Yeah. Frickin' bullcrap, and you heard so many stories about guys who, after he kind of got buried, you know, they just kind of lost absolutely all hope for everything.
0: Cat, get out of here, please.
1: But basically, you had these guys who were, like, trying to fight their way up the card, and they end up seeing the, a guy who made his spot and get buried because he made his spot. Vince always has said, you know, you reach for the opportunity, you make your opportunities, and all that sorts of garbage, and he got buried because of it, and, you know, it did, it sucked. That guy built the opportunities and ended up getting screwed over because of it, and, you know, it seemed like that WrestleMania thing, you know, all right, they're giving him a title reign and it lasted a freaking day. Now, I am not unhappy about The Miz winning and having his own title reign, but, you know, it was just kind of crappy what happened with Zack Ryder. I just, I really just
0: chapped my ass just finding out about that, and... (sighs) It's it's just stuff like that that just bothers me. Like, probably not in the same breath as, like, the Zack Ryder losing the title the night after WrestleMania. Um... More so on the lines of, like, really stupid ideas they've come up with with creative. Like, what the fuck is a Punjabi prison, and why is there people wrestling in those types of matches? You know, it's shit like that. It's like, who the fuck thought that that was a great idea, considering that the two guys you had fight in the first ever Punjabi prison match were The Undertaker and The Big Show? You didn't have that frickin' waste of a frickin' talent, worst heavyweight champion in professional wrestling history... In said match And then when you finally did put him in said match You never had another one of those matches again
1: Well I think that was Kind of the, the reason why he wasn't In the first one He was scheduled to be in it I think Undertaker probably had uh, Some some thoughts about I don't want to go in the ring with this guy He sucks This this gimmick Which they spent obviously a ton of money on Would be buried and never be seen again If it was Kali Versus uh The Undertaker. So they ended up, you know, putting Big Show in there, setting up a storyline. So at least, you know, they would have a mildly entertaining match. As opposed to, you know, having a, a completely crap match. So, Sorry.
0: I was fixing the thing. Anyway, it's just, the whole thing with, like, how Sasha lost the title is kind of like with the whole Zack Ryder thing. It's kind of like why you build up a guy and you don't have him lose a single's match until he gets to WrestleMania and he's the United States champion. It's like, all right, what kind of person can
1: stop this guy? John Cena. Uh-huh. It's, it's, and we're talking about Rusev there. We we kind of switch. But people. I
0: I'm just I'm just coming up with like the horrible like ideas storyline-wise that they've done in the past. This whole Sasha dropping the title as quickly as she did. Obviously, like you said, we didn't. You didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I don't think
1: anybody really saw it coming. So it's just. Rumor has it nobody saw it coming. Not even Vince McMahon. That was supposedly a last-minute decision, and supposedly that's supposed to be leading to uh, a bayley Charlotte feud, which is supposed to be coming up sooner than we thought. I I think we, I think we're still on our way to seeing Sasha against Bailey at WrestleMania. But we'll see. Yeah. So that's all I really wanted to say about that. Another thing I wanted to
0: bring up about the um, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view was they had three Hell in a Cell matches. All three matches were fantastic matches. All three of them had really stupid endings.
1: To me, with all three of these matches specifically, uh, they all felt very different from one another. But you know, like you're saying, like I, I don't know if I'd go as far as say stupid ending with some of with uh, a couple of them, but like. You know, you built you're, the mat. The idea of the match is you build up to a climax, and the crowd is supposed to be either booing like crazy or cheering like crazy by the end. And if you watch that, by the end of the matches, th- you know the the peak of the cheering or the booing happened like five minutes before the end of the match, and then when the end of the match came, the crowd was just kind of like, "Oh, match ended." So it was kind of, kind of blah, at least for me it it was just they they did a good job building the storyline and just you know they they didn't finish the match at the right point or they needed to extend the match
0: yeah i i don't i don't disagree with that i just personally i was just disappointed in the endings of all three of those matches considering how awesome the matches were leading up to that point obviously he I think the people were just upset that Charlotte won. That was the only problem with that match, like I said, the ending. Uh, the whole fact that Chris Jericho got involved. I mean, everybody knew it was going to happen, but it just kind of like they're they're really doing a bad job at booking Kevin Owens as the universal champion. They're making him seem to be like this guy that can't do it without help
1: from somebody else. Well, but that's part of his shtick right now that he needs help I mean that's why they had Foley come out and cut that promo on him on Monday that's part of the thing mm. that he's supposed to be acting like a badass but you know it's kind of a different version of the chicken shit heel where instead of cowering away he needs help always needs help whether or not people like that that, that's a different thing but Jericho is obviously going away soon his band's got a few dates I think already booked for their tour So Jericho's not going to be around here for long. So as far as getting help from people, he's not going to get help from anybody unless he gets a, a new heater with him.
0: But the thing is with Kevin Owens is he didn't need that. Captain Cupcake got to where he is by being a prize fighter. And what does a prize fighter do? He goes out there and he fights. Whether he wins or he loses, he fights. He doesn't need help from anybody else. He's just, he's Kevin Owens. He's the guy that just scratched and clawed his way to get to where he is. He won the NXT title. He beat John Cena before he even made it to the main roster. He's only one of two superstars in the history of the WWE to fight in all 12 pay-per-views in the first 12 months that he's been on the active roster. The only other one is The Undertaker, and back then they didn't have that many pay-per-views. So, But he did it just by fighting. He didn't need help. He is the type of person that he can carry himself without anybody's help and and be the champion to be the champion that he really is. A a hated heel that doesn't need help doing what he needs to do.
1: Well, to me, this is just an evolution of his character. Otherwise, the character is going to be the same over and over again, get stale and get boring. We know the Jericho thing is a short-term thing. This is just what his character is right now. He's eventually going to lose to somebody. It's Probably going to be the Roman Reigns at some point, uh, which, by the way, that looks like where the direction we're heading at some point in the not so distant future. Uh, but I don't think Owens is going to lose that title soon. I think he's like the Reigns match will be something that will be like the probably the last thing that Jericho helps him with before I don't know. I'm guessing maybe Reigns or Rollins are going to end up like injuring Jericho and that's how they're going to write. Jericho off the storyline That's how I th- That's what I think they're going to do in the next couple of months Obviously we still have a couple Of months of Jericho because he's going to be in the Survivor series right? And he'll probably be at the pay-per-view after that But then he'll be with his band You mean Roadblock? Roadblock <laughs> Such a stupid Stupid name for a pay-per-view it's, I have nothing wrong with the name Roadblock For The Rock On G.I. Joe Is it on the list? It's not on the list. Nothing else goes on the list. The the list has gotten so over, and people love it so much that Jericho has now turned the list into a heel. Nobody goes on the list. (laughs) But uh, honestly, like though, three cell matches were great. If I were to rank them as far as like worst to best, I would say the Sasha and Charlotte one. Worst, not that it was bad, but it was the worst of the three. I would say Rusev against Reigns was second, and by far match of the night, match of the week, probably match of the last couple of months, was definitely the uh, Rollins against Owens match. Great match, just kind of clunky ending with that. But Agreed. Every single one of them I agree in that exact
0: order. Uh, Banks and Charlotte was third uh the second one was
1: definitely rusev and roman reigns and that was a great way to start the pay-per-view yeah it was it was a great way to start the pay-per-view i mean have it rusev putting the the accolade on reigns and using that chain it was it it like i said that
0: the ending of all the endings that one probably pissed me off the most considering that charlotte won the title that night that one pissed me off the most because he had him in the accolade on the stairs with the chain and he's got him and I'm like, There's no fucking way. And he gets up, just like his hero, John Cena would do, he gets up, he breaks away from the hold on Rusev. Ooh, he does a stupid Superman punch and then he wins the match and retains the title and everybody all of his all the fangirls cheer for him and all the little kids cheer for him and I go in the bathroom and puke my brains out. So that's what I got to say about that, but nonetheless, it was
1: still a good match. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as far as other matches on the card, you know, we 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 had a what I would say probably the better or be, best of the cruiserweight matches that we've seen in recent time, which was the uh, the six man cruiserweight match to, that was on the kickoff show. You know, they actually kind of let them go out there and kind of do what they do, as opposed to getting the three minutes to get on RAW and. Nobody has time to really show off what they could do, and it seems like very toned down compared to what we had kind of been accustomed to with the Cruiserweight Classic. I hope they continue to give these guys more time like this. This was something we had talked about last week where we thought that this would be a good showcase for them, and it it was. I hope people were tuning in, saw this, and hopefully, you know, they ended up on raw not putting them in the third hour death spot they ended up putting them you know in the middle of the second hour so it wasn't as bad of a spot and they actually gave them a little time for their match on raw but you know the six man tag lots of great high flying stuff to me between Cedric Alexander and Tony Nice these are the two guys to me that are going to be kind of the heart and soul of this division going forward because both of these guys, I think, really shined in this match. Not that the other guys were terrible; it's just these guys stood out more.
0: I I couldn't agree more with you on that assessment, especially with Cedric Alexander and Tony Nese. I, to me personally, I think you could throw somebody like a Rich Swan into that discussion as the three guys that really have the chance of carrying this division and for a very long time too, as long as uh, as long as they keep it around and Vince is like, "This is a terrible idea."
1: Well, one thing the I, I heard uh, discussed in another podcast, and it made me think. WWE has one of my favorites and one of your favorites from the Cruiserweight Classic signed, and we have not seen an inch, an iota, a speck of him on TV yet. Jack Gallagher. WWE has this guy signed. He's so unique and has such an interesting way of performing, and we have not seen him since he has been signed. He hasn't been on NXT. He has not been on Raw. He's been on nothing. Where is he? Maybe they can't see him because he's so pale. Maybe Maybe John Cena buried him before he even got on TV.
0: Maybe everybody thought it was Seamus' kid, and they just brought him back to Seamus' wife.
1: You you never know, but I know I realize that when you're trying to build something that's brand new, you can't like just yeah throw everybody out there at once. But I mean, to not showcase this guy at all, I mean, he's a unique talent, and he's unique looking. I mean. Yeah, he's pale like Sheamus, he has the red hair like Sheamus, but he weighs about a fifth of what Sheamus weighs. Like
0: I said, it's his kid.
1: <laughs> Sheamus is crap bigger than him, I think. But, like, uh, Gallagher needs to be on TV. He, They need to bring a guy like that in because he's another guy who could be, I think, a potential difference maker. My hope is that they're looking for the proper way to bring him in and proper way to kind of promote his character. Maybe they're repackaging him. Well, I mean, he didn't really have a quote-unquote character, per se, on Cruiserweight Classic, but you could tell just, like, okay, maybe they're, different. Okay, maybe they're packaging him. I don't know. <laughs> well, with... Uh, Right now, it seems like Kendrick is the guy that has he's built the, the most. He's the one who's built the most, most depth with his character at this point. You know, you got Rich Swan, who's the entertaining one. You've got Cedric Alexander, who you you know a little bit about, but you know he's awesome in the ring. You got a guy like T.J. Perkins, who they've got a little bit of a storyline going with, but you know, not. We need to know more about him. He needs to have more mic time. But, again, you can't build all this immediately. You need to kind of cultivate cultivate it and move forward. But I want to see Jack Gallagher. Fair enough. I don't have a problem with seeing Jack Gallagher.
0: Uh, Speaking of the Cruiserweight division and Brian Kendrick, somebody walked out with the Cruiserweight championship after Hell in a Cell, and that somebody wasn't TJ Perkins.
1: I kind of figured that, you know, this was the only title change before the pay-per-view that I saw coming. And, you know, the storyline they built here is Brian Kendrick acting like this is the end of the line for him. He needs this to, you know, earn money for his family. He's like a heel version of Heath Slater, I guess, at this point. But, you know, we end up finding out, oh, well... I know T.J. Perkins was soft. I, I, I've known him for a long time, and I, you know, played on the fact that you know he has a lot of heart, and I knew that he was going to let up as soon as I pretended to have a leg injury. Now is he S O F T or is he S A W F T? He's S O F T. Okay, I just wanted to establish that. And <laughs> <laughs> that's all you had. That's all you had. All right, so (laughs) so it's an interesting way to tell this storyline, and it led to a match, uh, a return match on Raw, which I thought was interesting. Where, you know, T.J. Perkins was all of a sudden fired up because he found out, hey, I've been had, this, that, and the other thing, and
0: hey, he shouldn't be mad. Brian Kendrick is the man with a plan.
1: The head, Brian Kendrick. He, he
0: took that plan that he had, he went through with it, and it worked.
1: Well, and he had another plan on Raw and ended up using the champion's advantage. And instead of getting back into the ring before the ten count, he ended up. Eh, I'm going to slip out, and you know what? This guy's going to waste his opportunity during the rematch because I'm going to end up. What are you doing? Stop checking that damn thing. It's my phone. Yeah, it, it's it's your phone. We're in the middle of doing the podcast, though.
0: Well, what if it's somebody? That, what if it's somebody that's following us on Twitter's?
1: It's going to show up there.
0: Oh, well, what if it's somebody tweeting? You've at- got
1: you've got no reason to look at that. Just just pay attention to what we're doing. <laughs> Have another beer, Jay. By the way, did will get lost on the way up here? <laughs> No, Sean O. said he's going to come up here when he when he's ready. We've got plenty more to talk about. And another interesting thing, though, by the way, with uh, Kendrick, is after Hell in a Cell, they had a little, like, uh, smack talk live. And one of the, for, for me, one of my favorite moments of the week, because of how awkward it was, and it was made awkward specifically because... I think Kendrick more or less was in character, but he said a few things that pissed off Booker T, and you could tell Booker T, like... He, he wasn't digging that sucker. He didn't, you know, verbally, like, completely go after Kendrick, but you could see in his eyes he was, like, pissed off, and you could see that he was offended and thought what Kendrick was saying was disrespectful to him in his career, this, that, and the other thing, but, like... If you get a chance to see that thing, it was so wonderfully awkward and really, to me, a great character-building moment for uh, Kendrick. I agree. I Definitely awkward.
0: Like, I felt uncomfortable watching it, just seeing Booker T, the way he was reacting towards the things that Brian Kendrick was saying. I think maybe somebody forgot, probably Michael PSAs, to tell Booker T that that was going to be how Brian Kendrick was going to react and act in this uh, raw talk or whatever the hell it's called. Uh,
1: it's called, uh, Smack Talk Live, but like, the, the thing with that, how, uh, no, I
0: appreciate S- Smack Talk Live is.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah you're, you're right. Uh, raw talk, that's the. Whatever it is, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> so, with, with, but that's the thing. I prefer me personally i prefer that they don't tell these people ahead of time what's going to happen that way we actually get a real reaction it's not you know acting these guys you know they're not paid act well technically i guess they're paid actors but like you know they're not like oscar winning actors if you get them to have an actual real reaction it gives you something a little extra versus going hey guess what this is gonna happen and this is what you need how you need to react to it right when you get an actual pissed off person there is a different gear they get into and a different level of like fuckery that happens right
0: i couldn't agree more
1: so uh another thing that uh ended up happening on the pay-per-view we had the new day uh kind of going heel on us here and it definitely seems like they're going full tilt to uh beat demolition in their record uh except for you know new day ended up getting themselves uh disqualified because kofi kingston the uh, the hometown boy in boston ended up uh given a little trouble in paradise outside the ring and he was not and he was not involved in the match as far as being a legal participant and Referee saw him. They got DQ'd. And hometown, uh, hometown boys and girls uh, at the pay-per-view, 0 and 2. Ah, oh,
0: cousin Jay! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power!
1: It's a new day. Yes, it is. So, actually, this match what actually went exactly as I thought last week. I predicted that there would be some fuckery, and it was either going to be like a disqualification or a countout, and this is how they were going to keep, one, this feud going, and two, not take the title off the new day. And, and I, you know what, there's nothing wrong with, on occasion, being predictable, and this match was... Predictable, but entertaining enough, it seems like Sheamus and Cesaro are starting to kind of find their niche as far as, like, not working, they they work well together, but, you know, they're kind of trying to one-up each other, and they're, you know... Each guy's trying to say, I'm the leader. It's not quite the same, but similar to when uh, Kane and Daniel Bryan both said, I am the tag team champions. Right? No, I am the tag team champions. Each one of them is saying, hey, I'm the leader of the team. No, I'm the leader of the team. No, it's interesting. I, I, they're, they're certainly gelling in. I kind of like the chemistry that they have. I still would prefer these guys to be single stars, but you know what? If this leads to them with a the title reign or leads to something bigger for both these guys, why not? It's not
0: the worst thing they could have done.
1: And I have know I've been talking a lot about
0: bad booking. This was not bad booking. I didn't like the ending of how they did the best of seven where they, they basically ended in a no contest because they both knocked each other out. Yeah, bad booking. Them as a tag team, I don't have a problem with it. Both very talented guys. Both guys take a really benefit from having the other one on their team. And you know what? They're not a bad Team like entertainment-wise, they're they're actually fun to watch because it's funny watching those two. Joe, kind of like what you said with the whole Daniel Bryan and Kane thing when they were Team Hell No.
1: So they're the odd couple. They yeah. don't quite match, but they they they
0: they make it work. Right. That's yeah. That's exactly it. Yep. Uh, I don't hate it. I think I uh, to be fair,
1: I actually think they're going to be the ones that take the titles from. The New Day when it happens. And I think it's slightly possible that they take the titles before they beat Demolition chance. I don't think so. I'm not 100% 100 convinced that it'll happen, but I think there's a small chance that they get close to Demolition. Because, again, if you're talking about Predictable, right now Predictable would be they beat Demolition's mark. And if Vince is like, oh everybody thinks they're going to win this and, you know, get past demolition. Well, ha, 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 I'm going to swerve them.
0: Do you think that the New Day hits Vince with their shtick when he always says, you know, when he goes to tell them that I'm going to take the titles from you? Do you think they go, oh, Mr. Vince, don't you? And then just do the whole fucking shtick. And then he's just like, all right, you guys are right. You can keep the titles a little bit longer.
1: Maybe a few months ago. At this point, uh, who knows?
0: The, they the make him a lot money. of money though?
1: Those three. Well, I mean, their merch has been selling off the shelves. I mean, for me, their act has become a little, little bit stale. But like, I, they had a, you know, I think a pretty good and interesting week this past week. But for the most part, I think their stuff has been falling flat for a couple of months. I think Big E eventually is going to be the one that kind of breaks out from the group and becomes like a, a a bigger star because he has more of the look that Vince looks for and having somebody to be a big single star. But, you know, honestly, right now, you know, all three of these guys are in a better place than they were when New Day started.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So, I, th- th- you know, this is one of those times where, Putting a a group of guys together really has benefited everybody.
0: Yep. Couldn't agree
1: more. So, another match that we had uh, on Hell in Cell, uh, we had Bailey against, uh, what do you refer to her as? Uh, Dana Brooke. She, what's her name? Dana Brooke. Oh, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, you mean Big Boobs McGee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was who fought Bailey. It wasn't Dana Brooke. Don't you
1: dare be sour. Uh, you know, uh, they had, they did a good job of telling a story in the ring about uh, Bailey getting her shoulder worked over. It seemed like she wasn't going to be able to overcome. But you know what? Lately on TV, they've been having her getting uh, getting beat a lot, and she went over and little Bailey-to-belly suplex, one, two, three, okay match. Uh, it was kind of in a rough spot because it came after one of the Hell in Cell matches, so the crowd was kind of hyped up for the Hell in Cell, mm-hmm. and you get to that match, and crowd just, when you get hyped up that much, you kind of need a couple minutes to get through things, but, right. you know, they had the right person win this match. Uh, could have been better, but... You know they kind of put the uh, storylines forward, and I think we're gonna keep on seeing a progression with Bailey. They kind of have had Bailey winning is a way for her to move forward and possibly go against Charlotte as the uh, next challenger. I think Sasha will probably have uh, a rematch, and then we're gonna go into Charlotte Bailey mode. And I don't know. I don't see Bailey winning title necessarily immediately from Charlotte. But Nobody's beaten Charlotte until WrestleMania. See, I'm still convinced that we're going to end up seeing Bailey against Sasha at WrestleMania. I think that would be a far better match based on what we've already seen from the two of them. We had the uh, Iron Woman match, which was fantastic, and we had the uh, TakeOver in Brooklyn match at SummerSlam a year and a half ago, which mm-hmm. honestly probably match of the year was absolutely fantastic. I'm not saying that a match with Charlotte and Bailey or Charlotte and Sasha at WrestleMania would be crap. Mm-hmm. It would be I'm sure it would be great and but I think fan wise, I think you'd rather see Sasha against Bailey. And I think Sasha, at least to me, works better as a heel and they would need to turn her at some point. I don't know when that will happen. I don't know what the storyline will be to make that happen, but personally, I think it should happen. I think it would would be better for the product overall, for the women.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sasha is a better heel than she is a face. And just because of the way that they've done stuff with Monday Night Raw with all the storylines, they need more heels anyway on Raw when it comes to the women's division. They only really have Wait, like
1: two. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you you really know you, you know Dana Brooke?
0: Yep. You know Charlotte? Yep. That's it. To go with Bailey and Sasha Banks. That's
1: all you got. I mean, they have, obviously they have other women wrestlers. Oh, yeah, Alicia I mean,
0: Fox, yeah. She's still a legitimate threat in the women's division. Right. I'm going to clean my
1: glasses. Real quick. Keep going. So, We've we've made our through way through the uh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view with with Raw this week. You know, as with almost every week, you know, you have a three-hour show, you end up with a mixed bag of stuff. They had some fantastic stuff, like I thought right off the top, having Goldberg come out, having Heyman come out, and then eventually Rusev. Which was a nice element to that
0: whole thing, because I don't think anybody saw Rusev coming out.
1: No, and... You know, Rusev is this big, hulking dude, and I think having a guy like Rusev out there and, you know, Goldberg showing off that he could still put up a guy as large as Rusev, who, if you're talking weight-wise, similar in size to uh, Brock Lesnar, and seeing that Goldberg could put him up in jackhammer, seeing Goldberg deliver, you know, still to me, uh, that spear that he gave to Heyman much better than any spear we've seen from Edge, any gore that we've seen from Rhino, although I think Rhino probably has the second best of the spears out there. Goldberg still, to me, just has a next level with that spear that makes it look so much more devastating than everybody else. I mean, the people look like they get whiplash when they take that. I mean, the the one I rem- the spear I think I remember the most is the one where he was in the elimination chamber and ended up I think it was, I want to say it was Jericho, he speared right through one of the like chamber pods like glass wall or fiberglass wall or whatever it is, I mean he just absolutely destroyed him and that's the thing with wrestling, you need to make it look real you need to feel like you know, somebody's getting their freaking ass kicked. And that's what Goldberg's spear feels like, where Reigns, his his is all right. It's, it's a notch or two above the Edge spear, which I, I would put probably at the bottom of what? the list. Edge's spear sucks.
0: Compared to Roman Reigns? Yes. Roman Reigns, no!
1: Really? Edge has the worst you know, spear you know, by you know far. What, you know what, you know what it's we're going you know to do with this?
0: This Wait, one's Oh go. my god,
1: you finally woke up. Hold on a second. You, you finally woke up. You know what we're gonna fucking do right now? You're gonna look at the terrible spears no. that Edge's nope. Edge has That's, done throughout no, his career.
0: No, you had yours.
1: I have this though. The Roman Reigns does a better spear than Edge. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday because Edge's spear sucks. Now, I think Edge probably sells the pre-spear better but the actual move itself edges look like an absolute piece of crap i could have kicked out of it a, a half count it, it you wouldn't even have gotten to one absolutely terrible spear are you are, are you gonna find something or am no i, I got so, have... no i got
0: something don't you worry about this okay i got this I got everything under control. There's only one way for us to figure this out, okay? There's, it's We're in a democracy, and yeah. in a democracy, what, what do we have to do in a democracy? We, hand it, we handle things a specific way. So you think that Roman Reigns has a better spear than Edge. I think that Edge has a better spear than Roman Reigns. So what we're going to do is
1: we are going to put this. Why don't we wait until the podcast is over? Nope, I'm doing this right now. Mm -mm. So I want these people who are live-tweeting right now to actually be a part of this. There's nobody watching right now. Uh, There's nobody watching. Really? Fine. I was going to set up a poll. We could set the poll up after.
0: Edge has a much better spear than Roman Reigns. I don't care what you have to say. Pretty soon you're going to tell me. Let me guess. You're going to tell me that Hideo Itami has a better knee to the face move than Daniel Bryan did when he was in using that same move in the WWE, even though Hideo Itami stole that move from Daniel Bryan.
1: You know, y- you think this gets under my skin? It doesn't at all. I know you're trying to get under my skin, so it doesn't affect me. I don't care. I'm not trying to get under your skin. What do you think I'm trying to get under your skin for? Y- you say this all the time, like I care. I don't. Wow. I don't.
0: I'm only saying it because it's part of my fucking gimmick. I say it every fucking week. What are the the things that I bring up every single week? I talk about how Daniel Bryan's move was stolen by Hideo Itami. I talk about how CM Punk's GTS was stolen by Hideo Itami. I talk about how Eva Marie is a horrible, horrible, horrible employee in the WWE. I talk about the same shit every single week. So why am I not going to bring up the fact that Hideo Itami stole the move from Daniel Bryan? Because I talk about it
1: every single week. You don't generally bring it up on here. You just tell me about it. And that's why I'm saying that you keep on trying to think it's going to affect me. It doesn't. Coco Beware is a Hall of Famer. The thing that affects me about Coco Beware, <laughs> that that jackass does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. He's freaking terrible. The only reason why fucking Coco Beware is in the fucking Hall of Fame is because he happened to be in that year's fucking video game. And somebody said, hey, Vince, why don't you put Coco Beware in? He's in this year's video game. That was so fucking stupid there are so many other people that are far more deserving that actually like have done something in the business what did he win like a farting contest (laughs) he won nothing in wwe (laughs) he was in wwe for a few years and brought a bird to the ring and i think the thing that was most over was his song i did see him though In my first house show match at Muzzy Field in Bristol, Connecticut.
0: Well, there you go. Right there. The fact that he was in the house show of your your first appearance that you went to... That right there, he belongs in the hall of fame, right there. Boom. He
1: beat the one man gang. Another guy Whoa, who uh, a
0: one man gang. Oh that, wow, that's just uh, well, you know what? Well, I would I would just you know roll out the red carpet for him for being in the hall of fame for that, that victory.
1: The one man gang deserves to be in the hall of fame before Coco. Fucking beware. That dude, <laughs> I enjoyed him, but he's not a hall of famer. He's fucking terrible. He is the bottom of the bar. Right above him is Nikolai Volkov, but like, Coco Beware is the bottom of the barrel. Hey,
0: hey, hey, Nikolai Volkov won the title. He won the title. Nikolai Volkov was one half of the tag team that pulled off the biggest upset in WrestleMania history. Not only does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer too.
1: See, like, crap like this. This, Like, the first ballot Hall of Famer thing, that's one of those things that just absolutely chaps my ass.
0: <laughs> you know, it really grinds my gears when you talk about
1: first ballot Hall of Famers. What the fuck wrestling. is a first ballot Hall of Famer? Ric Flair was still a, a performer, and he got put into the Hall of Fame, but Michael Cole sits there on commentary all the time. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, to me, Edge would be a first ballot Hall of Famer because because he got in, you know, the very next year after he retired. Stone Cold, it took several years after he was retired. he didn't have the strongest relationship after he left, either. He was the raw general manager immediately after his last match, so it's not like they couldn't have put him in. I don't know if they were waiting for him to go in when they were in Texas, because they were in Houston the year that he went in, but, like... Is he not a first-ballot Hall of Famer because it took like three or four years after his last match to get in? No, because
0: if you think about it with like the professional sports, like in the NFL, well, it's baseball, it's like and NBA,
1: you have to wait five years. But so went I think, in the year after Eddie in, Guerrero went if, in immediately. If you get in
0: within five years of your retirement from your last wrestling match, then you're an absolute first-ballot Hall of Famer. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, you know, 12 years after you leave, like if Chris Jericho retires, he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame 12 years from now. No, Chris Jericho is going to be in
1: within the next two or three years. Well, with Jericho, the thing that will be tough with him, he's more or less said on many interviews I've read with him, Jericho said he's not going to have this big thing announcing his retirement, so we're not going to know when he's actually done wrestling. You know, he could... You know, one day when he's 60 years old, go, you know what, I want to do a wrestling match. And he'd probably be better than about 48% of the people on the roster, even at 60. But the, the whole first ballot Hall of Famer thing, uh, unless they actually come up with <coughs> some sort of guideline of like when it is, like Bruno San Martino, technically, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he is, if you're talking about a legit Hall of Fame. He should be the guy that should be in there
0: first. Not only should he have been the first guy in there, they should have just named the Hall of Fame after him.
1: I, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with the dude that they put in first on his own, Andre the Giant, because he really was the thing that WWF at the time had kind of built their legacy on. Hogan was super over in after WrestleMania three. Andre the Giant put that dude into the stratosphere, put him on the next level. And for that, I mean, Andre to me really took WWE in, you know, WrestleMania 1 and 2 were really successful, but WrestleMania 3 was like, holy shit, holy shit. So, you know, if it was Andre the Giant on his own, that, that's okay, but Bruno really like he went in like they had had the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony for several years before finally convincing the dude, hey, take this take this uh, honor that we're bestowing upon you, but yeah, fucking first ballot Hall of famer, fucking terrible thing that Michael Cole brings up all the time. It's almost as bad as when he talks about WrestleMania moments. It's also bad when he says vintage anybody.
0: He says vintage every pay-per-view. I'm, you know, I'm going to just... The day he says vintage Cedric Alexander is going to be the day I put a bullet in my skull. And I'm not even joking. The day he says vintage Cedric Alexander, because he will in about three or four months, he's going to say vintage Cedric Alexander. That's going to be it. That will be my last day on this planet. I will... I will buy a gun. No, I will rent a gun and buy a bullet and put that bullet in my skull. Okay. That's, where I, that's, that's pretty that's, dark. That's just, that's well, it's Michael Cole. Michael Cole deserves what I say. Typically, I would say I would just drink a gallon of bleach. But you know what? No. I don't even want to, I, no. I just have to go and I have to go fast. So I'm just going to let a 22 just rattle around
1: in my skull. I love how you eat. We really just went off the rails there. I'm glad you got me fired up about the whole Coco Beware bullshit. Remember when you said I couldn't get under your skin? No, I said you couldn't get under my skin about Hideo Itami stealing people's moves. It doesn't bother me. (laughs) I know that you're trying to get under my skin. I knew you were trying to get under my skin by mentioning (laughs) first ballot Hall of Famer and Coco Beware bullshit. But, you know what, that's something that needs to be talked about. You 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 know what, you know
0: what? I'm glad that we got to witness that. I really am glad that I got to witness that because that's all I wanted. I just wanted a little emotion out of you. You wanted, you it you know what? You want, you wanted to be brought. You got got, son. Whatever. I mean, all you really have to do is bring up something, and then I will just completely lose my mind. But we're not going to uh, do uh,
1: that. No, no, I'm not going to do that. <coughs> I promised you before the podcast I wouldn't bring some uh, some things up today, and I'm not going to. That being said, let's move back to Raw. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I thought this Goldberg... We were way off. Oh, Uh, oh boy. uh, But honestly, (laughs) I thought the Goldberg segment (laughs) with Paul Heyman, this segment made up for that shitty... Paul Heyman segment the week before. with In Minnesota, where they tried to put over
0: Goldberg and Brock Lesnar's home state. Yeah, that was a smart move. <laughs> Let's just put that on Thanks, Vince
1: Mac- That is on the Hold list on. of Vince McMahon's stupid no. booking ideas. Thanks, Vince. Hold on a second. It's Wait, write it down. Write it down. Right, right is here. Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon is making the list right now. Uh I, I'm pretty sure it's for stupid booking. Stupid booking? It's good. Robert, the list of on. the fucking marks. Vince McMahon?
0: You just made the
1: list! Alright, Vince McMahon is on the list for stupid booking. Uh, that being said, in our home state of Connecticut, in the capital city of Hartford, we had tremendous booking where we had Goldberg giving a jackhammer and we had Goldberg giving a spear uh, on Raw to, to get the show off to a hot start. I I thought this was spectacular. It showed that Goldberg is still like a strong ass dude. And Considering that he's 50 years old or almost 50 years old. He, I thought he looked... Uh, Pretty fantastic here, and I think it really kind of helps build him up for Survivor Series, and I think this... I'm, I'm looking forward to Brock and Goldberg. We still have a couple of weeks of build-up to this. I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we see a Brock-Goldberg pull-apart brawl, uh, maybe right before uh, Survivor Series.
0: I could see something like that. I I can also see Goldberg getting into at least one match before Survivor Series, because you don't know what kind of guy, you know, like what kind of shape he is. I mean, obviously with him, a good portion of his career was just basically two-minute squash matches.
1: I think... uh like when you see him when he's in like his wrestling tights he's going to be in fantastic shape whether you're in ring shape that's a different thing i mean i think the rock found out a couple of years back when he went against cena and wrestlemania you could tell that he was he a lot in of ring tip-top loss. shape but as far as like being in ring shape you could tell he was totally gassed about 15 minutes in and the match lasted another like 20-25 minutes and ironically enough i think cena helped carry him through the rest of that match. Did he carry
0: him with his golden shovel?
1: (laughs) Well, actually, no, because Cena lost that match. But, you know, Cena ended up carrying him. uh, Whether or not Brock could carry Goldberg to a good match, I'm just looking forward to a good physical match. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those ones where Brock actually ends up you know, like, ramming his head into the post, and we actually get to see blood on TV. I think, you know, it's the Survivor Series. That's part of the gimmick, right? You're surviving, so you sit there and you bleed, and you do this, that, and the other thing. And But I'm looking forward to that match. I think they did a good job of building up, you know, Goldberg is somebody who, you know, they kind of said, well, eh, he's kind of old, he hasn't done this for a while. He showed that he still has something left in the tank to me. It's going
0: to be interesting just to see him get into the ring. If he can actually go for like 10 15. I mean, like you said The Rock was gassed after like 15 minutes and then was even halfway through the match with John Cena at WrestleMania. And he only had like didn't he only have like one match building up towards that or did he have well, a, The the only was that next, the year before or was that the year after when they when Cena Technically Cena put it was title. the
1: year before um where uh Rock and Cena ended up having a tag team match against Our truth and The Miz at Survivor Series. That was the only match that Rock actually had building up to that Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania match. Now, he had done a lot of practicing with uh, Curtis Axel, who we'll be talking about a little bit later. We are? Absolutely. Why are we going to talk about Curtis Axel? We always talk about Curtis Axel. Every Good. week. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh but, you know, even Rock, who is in fantastic shape, was not in ring shape. I think whatever match with Goldberg is going to be fairly short, but I'm looking forward to a nice, uh, a brawl between a couple of big dudes. So. So the next match on Raw, we actually kind of talked about, so we don't need to go there. TJ Perkins and.
0: Yeah, and we, the Brian Kentrick brought that
1: up. Uh, you know, that that's one of those things, again, character building, you know, Brian Kendrick outsmarting the guy and using champion's advantage to kind of win out. And then we had a, a little segment with uh, McFoley coming into the ring, and, you know, I thought this was really good stuff. The last couple of weeks, I think Foley's really brought it on the microphone. You know, he had that great promo, uh, hyping... Sasha and Charlotte for Hell in a Cell, and this week he had the the thing where he was talking about how Kevin Owens had a chance to make himself a legend by winning on his own in the Hell in a Cell, and kind of talking about what we were discussing before, where you know he kind of made it on his own, and now you have Kevin Owens relying on Chris Jericho to win all the time, and. If you want to make yourself a legend, you make yourself a legend by winning on your own and, you know, being a self-made man kind of thing. And I thought this was great verbal play between Jericho and Owens and Foley. And we just found out that the list during this segment got so over that now nobody is going on the list anymore because Jericho is a fantastic heel and knows how to read the audience that's why he's a
0: first ballot hall of famer
1: but i agree with you this is why foley
0: is in the hall of fame is because of the fact that he works in a specific way it's not because of the fact that he's a lunatic when it comes to being in the ring where you can do pretty much everything set him on fire blow him up you know throw him through some thumbtacks throw him in a car you know, run him, run him over with a freaking Zamboni, and he's just going to do
1: it. It's because of the fact that Foley can talk the talk. And he's a passionate dude who cares about the, the business and cares about the storytelling that goes on. He is doing a
0: fantastic job as general manager of Raw. I just want to put that out there. I wasn't, like, the biggest Mick Foley fan. I didn't hate Mick Foley. I respected what he did as a wrestler and, deservedly so, belongs in the Hall of Fame. I didn't know what to expect from him as general manager of Raw, considering that he was just kind of like the secondary guy because it's like, all right, it doesn't matter who we bring in to be the general manager of Raw. It's not going to be bigger than Daniel Bryan. But they brought in Mick Foley. He overcame everything, and he's doing an excellent job. The two of them are having exchanges on Twitter and everything. I like what they're doing with Mick Foley. He's definitely doing a lot better as general manager of Raw than I thought he was going to do. I was actually thinking that David Otunga was going to do a better job as a broadcaster than Mick Foley as a general manager, but clearly I was way off on that one. But I agree with you. Back, you know, he's had back-to-back solid promos coming out here, like you said, promoting the the women's match for Helena Cell, uh, doing this whole thing with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Mick Foley is doing an excellent job. Definitely brings an extra element to this rivalry of Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins with Chris Jericho getting involved. Definitely helps build up your universal title.
1: Well, and it's also leading to other things because Roman Reigns came out during this segment and it ended up leading to Roman Reigns and Chris Jericho later on in the night. And eventually this is going to be leading to Reigns against Owens. Again, whether or not you like the storylines... That's fine, but like, at least they're building a story, and it seems like it's something that they actually have some some thoughts about.
0: Well, look who we have here!
1: It's All right, a, it's we, a
0: we, it's a couple of haters.
1: We got ourselves a Sean O. here, huh? and we're probably about uh, halfway through our our raw v- review, but uh, you know, we'll 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 kind of breeze through this, and then we'll. Uh, Get to a little uh, fun with Sean O, and we'll we'll get his thoughts with this uh, with this stuff.
0: That's there is going definitely on. one topic that we brought up that I would like to bring to his attention too. Okay. One, it's it's a we're gonna do like maybe like a rapid fire thing with Sean O. We just throw sure. questions at him, see see how he handles those. All right, um,
1: well, all right. So uh, one one thing that we had going on here is you know Braun Strowman, his storyline lately has been about hey. We need. I want competition, Foley. You need to give me competition. They had a funny little like backstage segment where he's still not got it getting competition. He kind of verbally like goes at Foley, and Foley's like, "If you're trying to scare me and trying to get me to do something, you've done it." <laughs> and, and I thought it was you know fantastic little little bit of comedy. But Foley's like, "Hey, it, you, you know, Strowman's asking." Whether or not he wants to be on the Survivor Series team going against SmackDown. And, you know, Strowman just wants to be put into that match. And Foley's like, no, 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 no. you got to earn this. And they had a battle royal. And Strowman came out on top. He ended up... He really breezed through that thing, too. He really did. He beat the crap out of everybody. And he ended up... uh, there were a couple of moments he was in peril because he I mean, ended up Sammy eating a Zane, broad kick. Yeah, and Sami Zayn did a pretty good job almost,
0: you know, trying to get him out considering the fact that Strowman's like 12 times the size of Sami Zayn, so. He's a
1: Sasquatch. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it was good stuff again. Kind of good storytelling as far as, you know, putting Strowman in, in the Survivor Series match and putting him over as a monster. Great stuff, and. I almost want to say at this point that he might be the sole survivor for that team, but we'll see where that goes.
0: I'm interested to see what happens between him and uh, two other members, or at least one other member of the SmackDown team that's in it that we will get into when we do the SmackDown preview a little bit later. Um, Not surprising that he won the Battle Royale. I figured it was either him or Sami Zayn that ultimately won it, so not surprised or disappointed.
1: Alright, I mean, so, you know, we, we had a cruiserweight, uh, six man match, uh, not surprisingly, pretty short. I mean, it was alright, not as good as the, uh, kickoff show for Hell in a Cell. But you had, uh, Rich Swan go over here. Rich Swan obviously is the next guy in line to go against Brian Kendrick. Uh, I don't know if that's gonna be happening at, uh, TLC or if that's gonna be, uh, A little bit later down the line, maybe at Royal Rumble. I'm wondering if, uh, you know, maybe TJ Perkins has another title shot because of the chicanery that went on during his rematch against uh, Kendrick earlier in the night. Right. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the Cruiserweights
0: heading into Survivor Series. If they're going to do, like, a title match, or maybe they do, like, a team of Cruiserweights versus a team of Cruiserweights in a, you know, Survivor Series elimination match.
1: I'm kind of excited to see what they do either way. Uh, so after that, we kind of had Charlotte uh, cutting a promo on Bayley talking about how, you know, she didn't want a weak link on the Raw women's team going against the SmackDown women's team, and she thought Bayley was the weak link and wanted to see what Bayley could do against Nia Jax. Bayley so,
0: is the cute link. She's the cute one.
1: Bailey is the cute one.
0: If you talk about appearance, cute smile stuff, girl like next that. door, exactly. To
1: now, me, she is the new version of Mickey James.
0: Exactly, who I who is back with WWE or with yeah, WWE, she, I believe,
1: correct? She, yeah, she's going against Oscar. Uh, By the way, uh, for those just listening, that is our friend Sean O. chiming in. Uh, but. We, we've got Mickey James, uh, who is actu- actually comes from the state we're in right now. Uh, she comes from Virginia. She's from Richmond, and mm-hmm. she is going to be on NXT TakeOver Toronto going against Asuka, which I can't wait for that match. Going to be fantastic.
0: Which was also my mark-out moment of the week when it happened.
1: That, that That was last week. And by the way, Bobby the Brainless won, was that three in a row or four in a row? I think it's three in a row. You know what they call that?
0: A, A winning streak.
1: Winning
0: streak. Uh, excuse me. I'm glad you all <laughs> no, heard that. No, no, too. no, no, no. There's
1: no excuse for that. That was fantastic. But you know, we had Nia Jax, not completely squash Bailey. Bailey was still nursing the shoulder injury from the night before. Uh, fairly competitive match, but you know it kind of played into the storyline of Charlotte talking about how Bailey is the weak link and you know Nia Jax kind of kind of sort of steamrolled her not complete squash match but she it it wasn't super competitive
0: not by any means and believe me I wasn't surprised Nia Jax won either Nia Jax is definitely kind of like what the Braun Strowman is to the men's team I think Nia Jax is more likely to run through the SmackDown Women's Division as opposed to Braun Strowman
1: with the SmackDown Men's team. I can certainly see that happening. Uh, but it, again, should be interesting to see how the storyline ends up playing out. Uh, one of my favorite little things, like, because uh, Raw this week was on Halloween. They did a couple of silly oh, so this is things. like a mark moment
0: for you, not Markout moment, but like a this is like
1: oh, I'm Jay and I'm a Mark, so I'm gonna mark out to this. Well, this wasn't really mark out, but I thought it was funny that the new day basically dressed as three of the different gimmicks from The Godfather. They had The Godfather, they had uh, Kama, and they had Papa Shango,
0: which was my favorite, by the way.
1: I liked Papa Shango. It didn't last very long because it was just kind of. Weird? Yeah. But I thought it was hilarious that they had that in there. And speaking of Halloween and my markout moment of this week, my markout moment of this week was during the street fight between Enzo Amore and Luke Gallows. Luke Gallows wearing the jack-o'-lantern and getting (laughs) DDT'd into the ring, into the mat. Was just fantastic. Was it glorious? It was almost glorious. It was not exactly glorious. Only Bobby Roode is glorious.
0: That's very true. Very good moment as well. I agree with you on that. Um,
1: but it's not your markout moment of the week. Is it?
0: no, it is not my markout moment of the week. And I will bring up my markout moment of the week when the time is right.
1: So I, I thought this street fight, like, it was exactly what you would think it was. It's like every time you watch Jerry Springer and Jerry Springer like has like the wedding cake and they have all the food. They had, you know, the ring lined up with pumpkins, you had pumpkin pie, you had all sorts of things like that around the ring. When that stuff is there, they're going to use it, they're gonna throw it at people, and it's just gonna be absolute chicanery. I freaking loved this entire thing, this was actually WWE doing comedy right. I love this segment. I love this match. A lot of fun. I thought it was funny that, uh, you know, Enzo dressed up as Buzz Lightyear, and even funnier to me, just, you know, being a freaking, acting like a freaking 10 year old. Big cast is Woody. Big Woody. I thought was hilarious. <laughs>
0: I couldn't agree more. Fantastic. Whole thing. Especially with the whole innuendos that they made with the, you know. Buzz, oh my God, Woody. Toy, yeah, with the Toy Story background with all the jokes and everything. Awesome job. I really do th- think that they should have been tag team champions by now, but obviously it's I coming. get it now.
1: So... And. Uh... Another thing we had, uh, oh, this is kind of forgettable, but Seamus and Cesaro beating the Shining Stars, Shooting Stars, and the whatever since, and stars. Since, and
0: since it was so forgettable, that's all we really need to bring up with that, because nobody really cares about the Shitting Stars.
1: And and that's all i got to say about that. They got over, they beat them. Big Boom. surprise. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we ended up having a Roman Reigns defeating chris jericho but again this leads to furthering the storylines that we have going on here where we had kevin owens coming in to uh, help jericho out and that it led to a dq they beat the crap out of reigns and this is leading to something else in the future because we had seth rollins who came out of i'm not going to say completely came out of nowhere but he came from behind the scenes and helped roman reigns out and there was a to me a really cool moment here where you know the The two members of the shield shield were in the ring at the same time after they had feuded for such a long time and the crowd was totally eating up the fact that hey hey it's these two guys and we want to see them together i i got a prediction
0: at survivor series 2016 we will see all three members of the shield together once again at some point during that pay-per-view
1: i agree i think the. That'll be a cool moment. Obviously, I think on Raw that that was a cool moment to end on. And unlike Hell in the Cell the night before, they actually ended up on a high note. Terrific stuff.
0: Alright, let's uh let's breeze through NXT real quick. We had about uh four matches. It, it was all Dusty Classic
1: round. stuff. Um, all second
0: round matches for the Dusty Rhodes classic for the tag team tournament. And with this,
1: you know, they started off uh we had the tag team of Roderick Strong and Austin Aries, they were supposed to against, go against uh, TM6-1, but we had, uh, unfortunately, the greatest man that has ever lived ended up getting kicked in the face. No, a, I didn't. A uh, week and a half ago, you're not the greatest man that ever lived. You're right. I'm the greatest guy to ever live. We'll go with that. <laughs> so, we ended up uh, having Austin Aries... Uh, you know who had gotten kicked by Nakamura in the face, cracked his orbital bone. Uh, he just went through surgery. He's going to be out for a few months. Uh, I think at the time they probably didn't know the how severe his injury was. So what they did to kind of further what was going on, instead of having a tag team match, they ended up making it a one on one match, and ended up having Tm61 go over Roderick Strong and they have now advanced into the Dusty Classic. Honestly, TM61, they've gone as far as they're going to go in this tournament because they're going to be destroyed in the next round by the Authors, authors of Pain.
0: Uh, I didn't think TM61 was actually going against... No, them. I'm
1: sorry, they're going against Sanity. Either way, Sanity. they're
0: going to get ripped to shreds.
1: <laughs> well... I don't know, I, I think in the end it's going to be the Authors of Pain in the finals, so you know, do you want them going against Sanity, or do you want them to... I'm wondering if... now that I'm... my my brain's caught up to my mouth, I'm wondering really, if Really, mine's like a mile behind still. I'm wondering if a TM61 wins against Sanity by like DQ, and moves forward and then gets themselves destroyed... Again, my, my, my brain catching up a little bit. What did we see when we saw NXT Norfolk a few TM weeks ago? CM six
0: one versus the authors of Pain.
1: Maybe, just maybe they were getting ready for this. Why are you gonna spoil stuff for people? I'm sorry.
0: That's that's a terrible thing to do. Who do you think you are? Vince Russo? I'm not
1: necessarily spoiling things. I'm just telling you. What do you think you are Eric Bush so. Eric Bischoff? Wow, well, you're having a hard time pronouncing stuff.
0: I just, I have no uh, idea.
1: Where's that's that Peter true. Griffin? Where's he, that Peter Griffin? He
0: told me to give me $100 to take off all my clothes off.
1: All right, so we we have uh, TM61 going forward. We we had the Revival going against DIY. Uh, Revival, if you had that's even when you want to call it. It wasn't even a match. They More or less, the Revival comes out like, you know, we had a legit injury angle with Austin Aries, and the Revival comes out, and they have a fake injury angle because they don't want to go against DIY, which Gargano and Ciampa, for those who don't know, but... Oh! What?
0: We brought, we brought up Ciampa, and his number one fan isn't here.
1: Well, well,
0: well,
1: you know, uh Champa and Gargano end up, you know, winning the match by forfeit because Revival, you know, they're tag team champions. There's no need for them to win the Dusty Classic. There's no need for them to lose. Bullshit, loot. I would love to see, I would love to win the
0: Dusty Classic. I'm not even going to lie, I would. Dusty Rhodes, a legend amongst legends. A true definition of a first ballot Hall
1: of Famer. Allegedly. Allegedly. But, you know, if you're the champions, what greater prize is there? Dusty Rhodes Classic comes around every year. Holding a championship, that's every day. No need to do anything. Faking an injury, good times. So, we had DIY going over by forfeit, and they will be Going against the Authors of Pain next week Who, uh, who I think that's going to be a fantastic match
0: By the way They basically beat No Way Jose and Rich Swann We forgot to mention
1: that match When we were talking about well, it Well we're, we're still talking about NXT We haven't gotten to that match Yeah but you kind of ruined You kind of gave the spoiler away That the Authors of Pain <laughs> there, There's no spoiler it already happened
0: well what if people are finding God damn it, shit and corruption. I, I need to mail it in. You know what? Hold on. Give me a second. Get my phone. Yeah, I gotta make a call to the bullpen. Uh, Bobby de is just he's getting shelled tonight. We need somebody else to uh replace him here. So uh get get the lefty up in the bullpen. Thank you.
1: <laughs> the author's are pain. <laughs> Actually, had a, a you know what? I I'd say it was a a, a, a a pretty competitive match against the probably two most entertaining folks on NXT. <laughs> you all right over there?
0: Oh my god! Woo! Oh god! Oh god! Right, just give me a second.
1: We call this bad chemistry, folks. <laughs> Bad chemistry. Oh, wait. No, no, no. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. We don't have bad chemistry. We have fantastic chemistry. It's not my fault. It's (laughs) like water and oil. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) But, you know, we had a very entertaining match right here. Against two teams, like, obviously completely outsized. No Way Jose and Rich Swan against the Authors of Pain. Very solid match. Authors of Pain, in the end, go over as they should. Nobody should beat them.
0: I agree. They they were one of my picks to win this whole tournament. It was either going to be them or Team
1: DIY. So, and it's kind of D-U-I. funny. DUI? DUI? What do you mean? It's DIY. Yeah, I I know it's Team DIY, but DUI right now. I'm going to hit you with my microphone. (laughs) Mic drop. And, I mean, we kind of ruined this before, too, I I guess, a little bit... uh, T.J. Perkins and Kota Ibushi oh, against come on. Sanity. Oh, everybody knew
0: they weren't going to go that far anyway, just
1: because... Well, I mean, Ibushi, the man who refuses to sign with WWE, but... And took the fall in that match, by the way. You, you could kind of see that one coming from a mile away. Uh, Sanity, I think they're an interesting team, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing what they do with Sanity, you know... Sanity has four characters in, in in that they have four different characters in their stable we have not we, we haven't really seen too much of them in the ring we we've seen uh i don't even remember what the woman's name is nikki cross nikki cross in the ring we saw her once Interesting. We, we've seen the two guys who aren't Eric Young in the ring. Don't ask me what their names are. They're not. I, I probably wrote it down somewhere, but th- those two guys. Uh, Eric Young we have not seen in the ring, but we've only seen these guys in the ring during the Dusty Classic. I think they've done a good job of building them as being something different something interesting something you're unique absolutely that are unique and i think that's one of the best things about nxt it doesn't end up getting watered down you get a, a really raw version of a character or a stable or what have you and to me, a lot of times, those are the best versions of the character as opposed to becoming kind of vanilla version of whatever you're trying to be when you get up to the main roster.
0: I couldn't agree more. That's pretty much why Enzo and Big Cas have won over the fans because of the fact that they're not so vanilla, because they're something different. Same thing goes for... And AJ Styles, when he got up here, he wasn't vanilla. He was just, well, obviously he's being AJ Styles. So that's probably a bad example. But I see where you're coming from. Sanity is something different. You don't want them to be something that you're used to so that they become vanilla. So that you just like, nah, I used to like these guys. But now they're just like, kind of like how we feel about the new day now. Where the new day, what they were doing before
1: was fantastic. Now it's just like, okay, how much of the same shit are we going to get? It seems, well, with New Day, they seem to be doing the greatest hits most weeks. So, like, the who hoo, 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 Who That's one of those things that, you know, they've gotten over to a certain extent. And I hope with, uh you know, with these different characters, it's nice to see the evolution. You know, we talked a little bit before about how Owens got over on his own and him needing Jericho to win matches, this, that, and the other thing, are not necessarily, you know, what he was, and as much as I know you 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 were a little bit more blatant in, in your, like, love of the character before, where he didn't need somebody else. As much as I preferred that character, too, I also know that the dude kind of has to evolve to kind of, right, you, you know, just also stay relevant in... Again, because we know Jericho is going away, this is going to end up being, I think, good character building when Jericho is gone and he has to stand on his own two feet again. I think with Sanity, they're a cool new thing. They they remind me a little bit of the Aces and Eights from TNA, and Eric Young was in TNA while Aces and Eights was doing their thing. I think that obviously this is kind of a different take on what aces and eights was it's more of a like almost carnival or circus version uh, of aces and eights Hmm. and eric young seems to to me this is probably an eric young idea and kind of his brainchild i hope again they kind of give him enough rope to let him let this be unique for a long time not just for a couple weeks
0: Two things I like to bring up.
1: Number one, any Eric
0: Young is better than no Eric Young, and that's just my personal opinion because I'm a huge Eric Young fan. So whatever they were gonna have him do with this whole Sanity thing, let him do it. Like Jay said, give him all the rope you can with it. Let him just turn this into something special instead of something
1: that's like really quick and short lived and it's on it's it's forgotten again. Honestly, this could be like a NXT version of the Wyatt family. Right.
0: Secondly, another thing I'd like to bring up I will defend Kevin Owens As an in-ring performer I will absolutely defend Kevin Owens as an in-ring performer And a
1: cupcake eater But
0: fuck him for blocking me on fucking Twitter On October 11th Both of us But it was because of me that he blocked us I I know You fucking piece of shit He loves cupcakes That's why he blocked us Yeah, that is why he blocked us God damn it he loves cupcakes. All right. So,
1: SmackDown. All right. So, SmackDown, y- y- you know what? Do you want to carry this for a little bit, or do you want me to carry this while uh, one of us retrieves Sean O? See if we could get him to talk about yeah, his go best ahead. friend. Will, uh,
0: will, uh, his best friend. Uh,
1: very best friend.
0: His very best friend. I apologize. Yes. I could definitely do it. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the James Ellsworth. promo. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he was apologizing to um, Dean Ambrose about costing him his match last week against AJ Styles on SmackDown. Unfortunately, we didn't bring it up last week. I apologize for that. That's why we're going to get into SmackDown a little bit more tonight. Um, <clears throat> definitely a very unique promo. Ellsworth tried, you know, apologizing to, to Dean Ambrose. Ambrose said to him. He wasn't even mad about it anymore. It was just, it was an honest mistake. He would have done the same thing to him. Daniel Bryan came up to him during the promo, talked about getting a rematch that night, and that James Ellsworth was not going to be part of the backstage or during the match at ringside. And Ellsworth said he still wanted to repay Dean for what he did, feels like he owes it to him. You know, it was very interesting, very solid promo, especially coming from AJ Styles. No surprise. Ellsworth definitely held himself. I said AJ Styles. I'm sorry. Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose definitely held himself like he does in every other promo he cuts. Definitely set up for, you know, something, you know, something for the end of the show. Like how they handled that promo. Uh,. Ellsworth, for the fact that I give him such a you know a backlash for what he does, he he really does handle his own for a guy who's on the independent circuit. To me, Ambrose obviously carried the promo, so that's where I'm going to go with that. It's well, kind of hard when you the... walk into the end of the, what I was talking about.
1: Well, uh, James Ellsworth, like his character that they've developed on TV, you know. He's trying his best, he's doing his best He really wants to help out Dean Ambrose And he keeps on kind of screwing up And this week he actually ended up helping Dean in the end By providing a little bit of a distraction And, and kind of making up for what he had done the week before Which was cost Dean Ambrose a chance at the uh, I WWE up. title so it was cool that he kind of came full circle and helped Dean Ambrose out, however minimal it was. It was inter- it, it was kind of funny, though, having him run through the crowd and having him get escorted away by security. And that, you know, kind of sort of provided the distraction. Just a split second to cause AJ Styles to lose... As much as I hate seeing champions lose on TV, uh, storyline-wise, this makes a lot of sense. So they want to carry this storyline on, you know, with the way TV is now and with the way the internet is now, you can't kind of have this two-hour show every week and you can't, you know, have it continue on and on and on. You need to add little wrinkles in here and james ellsworth is that wrinkle for me james ellsworth i don't you know there's talk of him getting a contract with wwe you know more long term as opposed to being like you know shows up sporadically i don't know how long live this james ellsworth could be on the roster obviously he's not this, like, big jacked-up dude, but he's kind of the underdog story. He's a Zach Gowen. He's one two three 1-2-3 kid. I don't think he'll have the legs, so to speak, that 1-2-3 kid
0: had. But he has the two hands, which gives him a fighting chance against anybody he goes up against. Exactly. That's all that matters.
1: But I don't know how long a gimmick like that could stick around. I think something like this could, again, last a few more months. I'd love to see him in the Royal Rumble. I'd love to see him actually last a decent amount of time in the Royal Rumble before getting thrown out and end up getting a bunch of people to boo whoever throws him out. If you want to get heat on somebody, that would be a way to do it.
0: I couldn't agree more. This this whole James Ellsworth thing, its like you said, its a, it's something different that they're doing with SmackDown. Obviously, they needed to kill a little bit of time heading into the Survivor Series since Raw still had a pay-per-view up until this past Sunday that they had to get through before that they did the dual-brand pay-per-views, which is really going to make it suck for whatever show has the pay-per-view or who doesn't have the pay-per-view right before the dual-brand pay-per-view because it's going to be like, all right, what the fuck are we going to do while we're waiting for, you know, Raw to do their thing? Maybe it's not going to be as bad considering, you know, Survivor Series is basically based on Raw versus SmackDown, which is why they had a Bragging Rights pay per view in the first place. Right. But I think it's, it'll be different for, like, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and SummerSlam going forward. Obviously, there was no issues when they did that. For SummerSlam, obviously, with Survivor Series being Raw and SmackDown based, it's kind of like, God, we really don't have anything else to do. That's why they're doing the things they do. Speaking of the things they do on SmackDown, and since it has something to do with Survivor Series heading up. Also, it kind of has like a three-point, a three-part thing that influences with your opinion on this. The whole Dolph Ziggler thing, now coming out this week and saying that he's going to do an open invitational for the Intercontinental Championship. Obviously, somebody came against out. On, somebody from Raw. Right. He also said that he would... Open up the invitation to whoever on SmackDown wanted to fight him for the title. Miz was on commentary, so I just, there's two questions I wanted to ask you personally because, you know, I know how big of a fan you are of Dolph Ziggler. Number one, what was your opinion on who he ended up fighting and the outcome of that match on SmackDown? And number two, what is your opinion on him issuing the opening challenge to somebody on Raw? For Survivor Series, and who would you like to see him fight?
1: All right, so the first thing, we finally had Kurt Hawkins making his re debut as this new character. Which bothers me, by the way, that they keep calling it a regular debut. But hey, go ahead. Sorry. But Kurt Hawkins, obviously, coming in is coming in as a comedy character. Kurt Hawkins trying to get his foot back in the door in WWE. You know, you're not always expecting to, you know, be pushed to the top of the card. Kurt Hawkins' his character, it's gonna be fun. It, obviously, there it's takeoff of the Chuck Norris facts, and you know, he finally gets in the ring, goes against Dolph Ziggler, and loses promptly in about five seconds. Eats a super kick, gets pinned. I, I'm not completely against that. I thought I, I thought it was. Funny, you know, he, you know, Kurt Hawkins, his character, very braggadocious, talking about this, that, and the other thing, fantastic about himself, and goes in there and gets his frickin' ass kicked in a few seconds. It's fine. Hawkins is gonna be here, I think, for a, a little while. Uh, he's gonna probably get about the Jinder Mahal push. I think we're gonna see him on, like, Superstars in Main Event, but... That that's fine. That's fine. And, And the second part of your thing was the talking about Raw and who he could possibly go against. I'm trying to think of who on Raw who you know is kind of a serious contender but is not in the Raw Survivor Series team. Honestly at this point I don't know who they're gonna have come out and go against him. I think maybe, and this match is going to be awesome. Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, I don't think is on the Survivor Series team. He yeah, got eliminated in the Royal. They have, they have the four Royal of Rump.
0: the five guys announced for the Raw team, so it's possible. A Zayn spot. is the it's last either guy. It's going to be Sami Zayn or Seth Rollins or the gobbledygooker, somebody to that extent.
1: Greg the Bunny. I would love to see Dolph against Zayn. It's also possible that it could be like Dolph against uh, the Keebler elf, Neville, the man that Gravity forgot. And then, uh, basically Braun Strowman reminded Gravity about Neville this week and he threw him out of the ring like no tomorrow. But I think it's going to be like a guy like that who they could have a kick ass match. It's probably going to be the show or the match starter, whether it's, uh, on the pre-show, which I don't think it should be on the pre-show, or it's going to be the first match on the card, because that'll get the crowd off to a hot start. It's going to be a fun match. It's going to be a fast-paced match. It's That's who I hope it is. I hope it's Sami Zayn versus Dolph Ziggler, to be honest.
0: If I, had to, if I had to, as a mark, that's who I would like to see fight.
1: So, I mean, that would be my thought on that, uh, but... I thought the debut of Kurt Hawkins was not exactly what Black it should luster. be but, but he's a comedy character so it is what it is and if he was supposed to be taken seriously it would have been a more than 5 seconds so what's the scoop on uh, Shano Shano right now is walking the dog
0: Are you serious Yes that is the worst. It's such a terrible excuse. That's like a chicken shit heel thing to do, you know. Uh, speaking of chicken shit heels, actually,
1: this is a terrible segue because there's no chicken shit heels in this. Well, well we're talking about Ms TV here, right? We're talking about. We could talk about Ms TV. Miz, being the ultimate chicken shit heel, we we kind of touched on this with the Dolph Ziggler thing. The week before, we, we didn't really get into SmackDown last week, but one of the things that happened on SmackDown was Dolph's like, hey, Miz, let's go, let's have your rematch. And Miz said, told him, hey, no, 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 rematch is not on your terms, it's on my terms. And when Dolph ended up saying, well, I'm going against somebody from Raw on Survivor Series, this incensed Miz and he got all ticked off and he's like, "Well, all right. What, whatever. You know, what? I'm going to I'm going to be part of the Smackdown team in the Survivor Series." And we had a Miz TV segment where it was Miz with uh Smackdown General Manager Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan was naming off the different teams or or the members of the teams for Smackdown participating in survivor series and one of the things with with naming off these teams there was a name that really stuck out to me where i'm like hmm hmm, as as you can see uh, uh well i i enjoy wolves i'm all about lone wolves but baron corbin was the name to me that really stuck out like a sore thumb i'm like baron corbin's part of the survivor series team for smackdown I like Baron Corbin but I think Miz would have been a better better choice overall but again storyline wise I think this kind of makes sense because Daniel Bryan and Miz have a thing against each other and this is just Daniel Bryan saying like on oh you want to be on the team? Oh well, screw you. I'm going to put Baron Corbin in here and I'm not putting I'm not putting the Miz. Miz is you know, a man some, without a match. Sometimes they
0: throw these things called curveballs that nobody sees coming. Swerve. This this freaking Baron Corbin thing wasn't even a curveball. It was a freaking knuckleball. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that, because I really did think that The Miz was going to be on the team or it was going to be Luke Harper or somebody to that extent. Baron Corbin being onto the team, I was like, wow. It's different. I didn't see that one coming. Way to be so unpredictable, you predictable WWE people. But well, I, but I, don't, that I Smackdown, don't hate it.
1: Smackdown's you know, not as predictable right. as Raw.
0: And I don't hate Baron Corbin being on this team. If you're going to have Braun Strowman be on it for Raw, you might as well have Baron Corbin be on it for a SmackDown. Give guys opportunities to showcase themselves at pay-per-views. I have High no profile, issue with too.
1: It. So, oh, but, me. yeah, I mean, to to me, Corbin definitely was the one where you're like on, huh, they put, put Baron Corbin on here, and they didn't put The Miz, and they didn't put Ziggler, and obviously we learned with, you know, Miz and Ziggler, this is part of the storyline. This is part of what they're doing going forward. But I'm wondering what uh, we're going to have with Miz. I'm wondering if Miz is going to end up at Survivor Series costing the SmackDown brand the match. And I'm wondering if we're going to see a trade where Daniel Bryan ends up trading Miz to Raw. And we're going to end up, I don't know who we'll we'll see, come back This. To SmackDown from this, probably Sami Zayn, but you know something like that. I honestly, I think this is where the storyline will be heading because, as much as it seems like this should lead to a Daniel Bryan against Miz match, we know this isn't going to happen. They're not going to let Daniel Bryan have another match. So the only I think possible end game for this storyline is they get. The relationships become so fractured that they have to get rid of Miz. Miz ends up on Raw, and we get a you know someone like Zane, someone like uh, Keebler Elf, over on SmackDown. Although someone I think like the, Curtis Axel, well, although I think the Keebler Elf will end up in the cruiserweight division, but you know, somebody like that who isn't really getting enough time or getting recognized on Raw will end up on SmackDown from this and probably actually benefit from this because miz you know what to it doesn't matter what brand he's on he's over he's an established character and one of the better heels that we have in the company one guy who actually gets consistently booed when he goes out there where you get these heels like aj styles when he comes out he's almost universally cheered because he's so awesome at what he does
0: which was actually pretty funny cuz during his segment that he had where he came out and interrupted Dean Ambrose who was cutting a promo and uh, Ellsworth came out and cut you know was interrupting the same promo and Styles came out and he was walking into the ring and they started chanting AJ Styles AJ Styles and he was like I know who I am now shut the hell up you know that's just that's just how he is and he's really trying to get over as a as the number one heel or as he says, the face that runs the place. So yeah, definitely could you know agree with that. So um,
1: well, we had American Alpha
0: go went over against the Spirit Squad in a in a qualifying match for the Survivor Series team. Quick match, not surprising. Surprised American Alpha's in the, on the team for SmackDown for the tag teams? No, not at all. Uh, also. Was, uh, the headbangers going up against the Usos in another qualifying match very in quick a very match. quick match. I think I went in to take a piss and I came out and the match was already over.
1: That's how quick it was. A d- little distraction roll up, which WWE had had done t- way too many of for a long time and kind of had gotten away from this, but y- you see a little bit of this, uh, more lately where you got the stupid distraction, they, roll people up you you would think after a while these teams or these singles competitors would be like you know what maybe i should concentrate on my opponent in the ring and not get distracted by these stupid idiots couldn't agree more so uh uh, another to me really interesting thing and we kind of talked about this a month or so ago maybe a couple months ago we had Randy Orton seemingly now siding with the Wyatts. I don't know if this is a full on Randy Orton becoming part of the Wyatts. I don't know if this is similar to when he was trying to convince Seth Rollins that he was back with the authority. Personally, I would like them to not retread, you know, those parts of that storyline. It wasn't that long ago. You know, one of the things with Wyatt, he specifically said, hey, I know you're a snake, I know I shouldn't trust you, but I, I think I can trust you here. I understand you. I
0: think with Orton joining the Wyatts the way he has, is just his way of infiltrating the Wyatts so that he can destroy it from the inside and just use that. That's my personal opinion with why Randy Orton did what he did. I also heard a rumor today that I saw online. That with The Undertaker returning, I don't know if it's next week or if it's the week after on SmackDown. So breaking news, The Undertaker's returning at the 900th episode of SmackDown in a couple weeks. Uh, make sure to tune in. One of the people that they said that it's possible that he's going to feud with is Randy Orton. Because they want to put him in a, in a feud with a veteran that they, they know that The Undertaker can handle and not carry the match considering how old he is and everything. So I could see that being a reason why they turned Randy Heel, but I can also see it as his way of infiltrating the Wyatt's from the inside and just, phew, it are done.
1: Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on which way they're going to go with this. Orton has more or less been Randy Orton for a long time, whether he's been a heel or when he, whether he's been a face. His character hasn't evolved a ton similar to Brock Lesnar. Lesnar just does what he does and the crowd cheers him or boos him. It's not really like the character has changed. The same thing could be said for Austin back in the day. He didn't change his character. The audience cheered him instead of booed him. No. Right now Orton's character has not, you know, been much different for a while. Being part of the Wyatt family could be something that's different for him. It's possible. Again, this is something where he's infiltrating the Wyatt's, and he's trying to gather their trust, and he's going to destroy them. I would per- personally, my preference would be, he actually joins the Wyatt family, and as opposed to like doing something like Evolution, where you know you got the the chiseled veteran like Flair, you got the guy who's on top like Triple H, and you got the two young. Co- young up and coming guys like Batista or this is kind of, to me, a different take on this instead of like, you know, having these guys all dressed up in suits and being like the guys you, you want to hate because they're better than you. This is kind of, to me, like possibly a dirtier version of that where you got these guys who are literally not figuratively. Right. All right. Just throwing this out there, who bathes more, the Wyatt family or Sanity? Sanity. Okay.
0: Although I I, I might actually have to disagree with that because of the fact that you're disagreeing Har- with yourself. Already. I'm gonna have to disagree with myself, which is incredible. Not really, but um, the fact that it looks like Luke Harper finally washed his wife beater that he's been wearing since the first day he made it onto the main roster. So, it just wasn't covered in sweat and stains and all that shit. Either he washed it or he finally went out and saved the two dollars to buy himself a new one.
1: so either way,
0: happened. something happened, so I'm gonna have to say that sanity actually has a longer drought since the last time they bathed. uh, I don't think Eric Young has bathed since like two
1: thousand nine either so right but with this, I would almost prefer that you take. You get the guy like Randy Orton who is established, and instead of having him be the established guy in this team that ends up, you know, he's in this uh, established team already that isn't this clean cut, uh, Orton ends up, you know, joining this family, elevating them, taking Wyatt and taking Harper up to the next level, uh, something that really didn't end up happening when he was in Legacy. When he was in Legacy, I think the idea was to help elevate uh, Cody and DiBiase. Cody and DiBiase ended up, you know, not really getting much above what they were when Legacy started. Orton was the one who ended up getting elevated. Right now, Wyatt and Harper really need a push, Ever since, you know, Wyatt's been in the WWE, Wyatt really has been a guy that the fans have, you know, really gotten behind and just has needed that extra little bit of something. I think Orton can be that something that they need. I'd love to see Orton with... His own version of Wyatt Gear. I'd love to see. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it'll take him a little bit of time to kind of get the facial hair that those guys have and develop the stench that those guys obviously have. But I would love to to have him be part of the Wyatt family. I thought their promo that they had backstage was cool. Where they lit his eyes up and everything. They lit his eyes up, but like they had this line that like you know i'm sure some people thought was cheesy but i thought i thought it was kind of cool and kind of metaphoric where randy more or less said like you know when i saw you i saw the darkness but then when i saw the darkness it became light and i understood bray wyatt is a god and again if you want those words to ring true and you want the characters to be true I I think you need to keep him with the Wyatts. Uh, Again, I'm kind of 50-50 whether or not this is an angle uh, as far as having Orton infiltrate the Wyatt family and take them over. Again, though, this happened not that long ago with Orton infiltrating the authority, and it was absolutely obvious he was trying to infiltrate them to undermine them. Right. Right now, it's not as clear to me which way they're going, I would prefer that he actually joins the Wyatt family and becomes a full-fledged member and really helps push them to the next level. I don't know whether that next level is the three of them going against, like, Kane, The Undertaker, and some other person, or maybe it's, you know, a handicap match where it's Orton, Harper, and Wyatt against The Undertaker and Kane. I'm wondering if that's where this is going because we had Orton turning on Kane the week before, and we had, you know, Orton helping them out this week. Or, or uh, Orton had the match against Kane, and we had the Wyatt family helping him out. So I'm wondering if this is the storyline where Undertaker is helping out his brother.
0: I could see that being the case, especially if they're talking about having Randy Orton being the veteran that goes up against The Undertaker when he comes back for the 900th episode. And the way they're making it sound, it's not going to be like a one-time thing. And then, oh, look, he's here at WrestleMania. It looks like he's going to be in for a little bit longer of a run than he typically has every single year. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. It could be something that they're trying to do with the Wyatts where Orton's going to infiltrate it from the inside. It could also just be Randy Orton just joining the Wyatt family. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole storyline plays out. Considering how it's gone leading up to this, so for me, of all the storylines going for going forward, this is the one I'm the most intrigued by.
1: Yeah, there's nothing clear cut, and I'm 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 happy when things at WWE aren't aren't completely predictable. So, cool thing. Uh, I'm looking forward to see where this goes, um, and the main event for SmackDown ended up being Dean Ambrose against. AJ Styles almost like a redemption match pretty solid match too by the way solid match and part of the again one of the wrinkles they threw in here they had told James Ellsworth you cannot go by the ringside don't even show up there we're going to throw you out Ellsworth ends up running through the crowd ends up kind of he didn't you know get physical in the ring but he was a distraction and ended up helping, in the end, Dean Ambrose win, and now Dean Ambrose is going to have a title shot at TLC against AJ Styles, and they said it's going to be a TLC match. They haven't said whether or not it's going to, you know, they're going to have the title hover above the ring, or whether or not this is going to be, hey, you get a pin and you win. For me, if you're going to have the title on the line, it's going to be a TLC match. It should be... The title above the ring, whoever gets it, wins.
0: And with this pay-per-view, it should definitely be more than one TLC. If you're going to have more than one Hell in a Cell for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, you have to do the same thing for a TLC thing. You can't just have it be like, oh, one's going to be a TLC, another one's going to be a ladder match, another one's going to be a tables match, another one's going to be a chairs match. And, oh, by the way, since you know there's not enough stupid gimmicks,
1: let's throw a stairs match into this pay-per-view as well. The stairs match is the dumbest gimmick ever thought up for a match. Honestly, all these Punjabi matches Present. are no holds barred. If it's no holds barred, what's to stop you from taking out a ladder, taking out a table, taping, taking out whatever they have? Right. It's just silly to me. It's... The Punjabi person match is just... I'm looking forward to when they have uh, the Punjabi prison match between Jinder Mahal and somebody, uh, whether it's Davari or Great Kali. They bring Great oh, Kali God, back because no. Jinder Mahal and Great Kali are brothers. I mean, it's it's going to be obviously a blood feud. So they need are they really have... brothers? No,
0: okay, not in real so.
1: life, but storyline wise. No, wait, wait, I'm sorry. It was Rajan Singh that was like brothers but uh Jinder Mahal's family had like some sway over the great kali back in the day. So Punjabi prison match. Book it. No, I will not. Book, book. it. I will not book another
0: Punjabi prison match.
1: Okay. Um no, but you know <laughs> All right. Not not now that we're not completely fucking around with is, is, stupid ideas. Where's where's Shano? Shano's walking the dog. Speaking of
0: stupid ideas. TNA, is that a stupid idea? That's been a very stupid idea. Why? You're making it seem like something happened to TNA this week that we need to bring up.
1: Well, th- th- there was more stupidness coming out of is TNA. It, this is it week? because
0: of the fact that Billy Corgan is out with the higher ups with TNA and well, he's going to be out that money that he flipped the bill for, and they're basically telling him to go pound
1: sand? well the thing is i don't think he's going to be up the money there's a couple of things going on here he was named president a few months ago and a lot of that all of that had to do with the fact that he fronted tna and we just found out that he fronted tna almost 2 million dollars to be able to have the company continue and he well, is i believe i read that he is a 36% stakeholder in tna stock so they could replace him as far as being president and doing day-to-day operations. You can't throw him out, though, as an owner because he has a thing signed and he loaned the company $2 bucks, almost, $1.8 million. You can't just completely get rid of him. They either need to pay him because the courts will find in his favor as far as the money goes. They may not find in favor of him taking over the company, which I still think long term, they probably should, because to me, based on the debt t n a has versus the assets that they have, they are insolvent, and based on the agreement that he signed they the company should belong to him uh kind of the thing that where Corrigan actually lost his lawsuit this week. the reason why they say he lost the lawsuit is. The agreement he signed was specifically with Dixie Carter. It wasn't with the two other majority or owners of the company. So, uh, Dixie Carter's husband was not involved in that contract signing. And I think it was Aralux. The other, they weren't, they didn't sign that same deal. So because all three of them didn't sign it, more or less, they're kind of saying the con, Whatever deal he signed is null and void, but to me that still says somebody owes him $1.8 million. Until he gets that money, I still think he has a lot of say in what will happen to the future of that company. I think he wants to still own TNA. I still think he wants to bring that brand forward and... Dixie Carter obviously has her own vision, and again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. She has a lot of pride and a lot of ego, and I think it's preventing her from actually going through and doing what's best for the company and for the performers in the company. I just feel
0: bad for Billy Corgan. That's all I feel bad for. I feel
1: bad for the – like, I feel bad for Billy, but – Obviously, he oh, has a bunch of money too. and he's going to be fine. The wrestlers, a lot of these guys are not multi millionaires. There are they're a handful of in there. Like, I think the Hardys are doing okay for themselves. I think Bobby Lashley is doing okay for the, himself. I think a lot of the other guys, you know, they're doing all right, but it's not like they have money stashed away in a rainy day fund to. Whether a storm of not getting paid for three, four, five, six months, it just kind of leaves those guys in a sucky spot. Yeah. yeah, Corrigan's in a sucky spot, but he's fine. He, he's gonna have royalties the rest of his life. His band was, you know, the biggest thing going in the mid mid nineties.
0: That's very true. Uh, I do. I do feel bad for him. I do feel bad for the for the wrestlers. Uh, the ones that, like you said could be in financial peril for a few months if the company does shut down either way, especially if WWE doesn't pick him up. I think this whole situation is kind of stupid. It's like he got freaking shit on for $1.8 million, and it's like well, that's how the business, sometimes how it works in business agreements and everything, and it sucks. But obviously there's nothing he can do.
1: Except for them.
0: Exactly. And he's going, I, I personally if he think does he's going sue to sue them, them. It's going to make TNA, yeah, TNA's fucked. That's all there is to it. There's no sugarcoating that. TNA's fucked. They had that freaking company for as long as they did, and they really didn't materialize on it because they made the same mistakes, starting from the beginning, that WCW made that cost WCW its existence and got bought out by Vince McMahon because they... They were signing all of the guys that Vince McMahon didn't want anymore, giving them a shit ton of money, giving them uh, creative control, and it really it ultimately bit them in the ass. I mean, granted they had guys like uh, Frankie Kazarian, Frankie Kazarian, and uh, Daniels. Dan- Chris Daniels. and AJ TJ Styles Perkins for a while. AJ Styles, T.J. Perkins, Samoa Joe, name. Eric Young, Bobby Roode, Lance Storm.
1: Yeah, I mean there there were a bunch of fantastic performers that left the company that just you know, after get, not getting paid for a while, what why the hell stick around? Exactly. So,
0: I think with this, this is a perfect segue since we've you know, did a breakdown of everything that we needed to have a breakdown, so let's bring in Shano!
1: That concludes part one of episode sixteen of the Ethan Marks podcast. Tune in back here, and we'll have to post part two shortly. Glorious,
0: no